Behind every pioneering idea, method, and device is a fellow human or humans, a trailblazer who is daring enough to ask the questions that push the boundaries and make the impossible possible. I'm Sharon Kadar, co-founder of North Pond Ventures, a multi-billion dollar science-driven venture capital firm, and the host of Innovate and Elevate. In each episode, we'll have candid, in-depth conversations with top doctors, scientists, and innovators about leading-edge discoveries and how they impact our lives. Season one focuses on women's health with the aim of helping women lead our healthiest lives. You'll hear from leading experts such as Dr. Katherine Rexrode, Division Chief, Women's Health at Harvard's Brigham Hospital. It's time for all of us to innovate and elevate. So our guest today is Dr. Janet Storella. Dr. Storella is board certified in diagnostic radiology and spent her residency at Beth Israel Hospital, part of Harvard Medical School. She earned her medical degree from Case Western Reserve University of Medicine and her undergraduate degree in biochemistry from Harvard College. She has a special interest in breast imaging and helped introduce several pioneering technologies such as digital mammography and image-guided breast biopsy to the D.C. area. Dr. Storello, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. What's fascinating is the current standard of care, the first step for a disease, which is for one in eight women getting breast cancer, is annual mammography screening from, you know, I I guess the age has moved around, so I'll, I'll ask you about that in a moment. But what's fascinating is basically you're asking someone to go in, get their breasts smushed. The more uncomfortable, the better, but make sure you don't forget to come back in 12 months once you're at a certain age. Right. Awesome. <laughs> and, and do it all over again. I know. There's been a lot of controversy about mammography. Obviously, I've studied all this literature. It comes up every single year at the big medical conferences, both of all the radiologists, of all the breast imagers, of all the primary care docs, of all the OBGYNs who are often the ones who are ordering mammograms. And some of it is controversial because it's been based on very flawed data and the like. I don't think that there is any question that screening mammography saves lives and that it results in decreased mortality from breast cancer. And nobody will argue that earlier detection is not a better thing than later detection, even if the mortality number might be the same. Do you want to have chemotherapy or not? No. No. You might live as long, but those are endpoints that we need to think about as well. So screening mammography is what we have right now. Yes, we have other modalities. They all have their role. But this is what we have right now. What age do you recommend people starting annual screening mammography? So I'm a proponent of starting screening mammography at age 40. There are some very high-risk groups who maybe should be starting earlier. Is it the end of the world that you don't start? No, it's not. And, And by the way, this is not like there's some cliff at 40 or a cliff at 50. The incidence of breast cancer pretty much rises linearly with age. So there's no kind of drop dead spot. This is all balancing how many people do you need to screen for? How many cancers can you find? And is that acceptable in terms of how many people may have to have biopsies or or other things? So are there fewer women in their 40s who get breast cancer as women in their 70s? Of course. 
but this is something of a sliding scale. So what I tell people is don't get all wrapped up in this, and, and I'm not talking about the people who are at especially high risk or special situations. For just average women, start getting your mammogram at age 40. Oh, you're 50 and you didn't do it? Don't beat yourself up. Let's go ahead and do it. This is not about judging people. This is about doing what you can for improving your own health. I saw you open in a Walmart, which I thought was cool. Yes, Radnet has a partnership with Walmart. And this is part of bringing the resource to women to make it easy for them. I mean, I'll, I'll be very interested to see how this works out. And do we find that we have much higher compliance rates and, you know, find cancers through screening? But this is matching the resources to where the risk is. So, Dr. Strella, why is a tool that is over 100 years old, meaning mammography, why is that our primary tool for such an important disease that impacts so many women? Uh, it's maybe not quite over 100 years old. I think zero mammography was developed in the 60s. So the x-ray, yes, we're going back to Rankin in the 1890s, <laughs> but maybe to the 60s. You know, it's a good question. And, you know, we're looking at different kinds of imaging that we have, and there are different tools. There is ultrasound, there is MRI. I think that, again, it's a, it's a thing of like resources and availability. MRI, in terms of imaging, MRI is the most sensitive method we have right now in imaging. I have many questions. I want to touch on what you said about how cancer and not cancer can look the same, and it's hard to tell the difference. Can you share with the viewers and listeners a little bit more about what you mean? And if someone is going to get breast screening, how do they know if they're going to a doctor who you know, is going to make that right call? On a mammogram, a tumor is going to be a white spot. And depending on the density of your underlying breast tissue, that background can be relatively black if you have a lot of fatty tissue and then the thing stands out like a light bulb. Or the more dense tissue you have, the more white it is. And then you're looking for the white tennis ball on a field of snow. That's hard. There have been significant advances with digital mammography and what is now called 3D tomosynthesis that help us scroll through the density of the tissue to see better. Um, that help. But this is an art form, and it requires judgment, and that's what makes it difficult. You just said that mammography is an art form. I think that is mind-blowing, and I would assert that most people have no idea that it's an art form. I think most people think it's like going to McDonald's and buying a hamburger. Not at all. Not at all. One of the huge advances, and we can talk about this more as we go on, is artificial intelligence. And what I tell people about artificial intelligence is that every day as I am looking at mammograms, I am making hundreds of judgments. And the obviously abnormal things are obvious, and the obviously normal things are obvious. And then there's everything else that I like to call the murky middle, okay? This is where judgment comes in. A lot of women ask, why can't you just read my mammogram right this minute? I don't want to read your mammogram in a rush while I know you're waiting to pick up your kids and this and that. I want to look at your mammogram in peace and quiet without distractions. And I want to be able to develop a rhythm of looking at cases and focusing my attention. 
trust me, it is much better for someone to read your batch read your mammogram the next day than to be trying to do it on the fly if you're having a screening exam. What does artificial intelligence do? It directs my attention and it helps grade all this gray zone into this looks pretty darn suspicious, mm, that not so much, don't worry about that. And I find it incredibly helpful. The artificial intelligence that RadNet has, which is a company that we bought called Deep Health and that we did all the training and validation, and then it was subsequently evaluated for FDA approval, it showed that everybody got better. And, and this is unheard of when you're doing these kinds of studies. Everybody got better. Expert breast imagers got better. Generalists who don't specialize in mammography got better. Everyone got better. At detecting cancer? At detecting cancer, yes. Wow. At detecting cancer. So I know that for screening mammography, AI was approved something like in the past year, and it's not yet for diagnostic, which I'd love to understand more about and get your perspective. But is AI available at most for screening mammography at, at most centers, or is RadNet unique in, in what you acquired? We have an FDA-approved product, and this is available. Unfortunately, we have to charge for it. You know, we started out by thinking, you know, we're going to show the insurance companies how great this is and how many more cancers we're detecting, and they're going to want to pay for it. And they were like, uh, no. <laughs> that was mind-blowing. And so very similar to 3D tomosynthesis in mammography, to start, we had to charge patients. And then a whole body of data was developed saying, number one, this works. Number two, people want this. So you should develop a code for this and pay for this. And that's how payment for 3D tomosynthesis came about. So it, same process, we're going through that right now with artificial intelligence. How much is it to pay for AI if a patient comes? $40. $40 extra. I wish we didn't have to charge for it. Of course. Of course. Do most people pay for it? Right now in, in our area, about 40% of people are paying for it. And more broadly, if, if you're not going to a RadNet facility, this technology is not available elsewhere, or it is? Well, it is available in some places, and there are other products out there. I don't know too much about who has them and what they are. Obviously, the academic sites are, are all developing AI, and, and they may well be using it. And you can always ask. Where are you going? Do you use artificial intelligence and in interpretation of screening mammograms? But the, the callback rate is considered a negative. So if you have a higher callback rate, that is a negative in terms of monitoring? You're looking for a sweet spot. The sweet spot is calling back enough women to find cancers, not calling back too many that you have lots of false positives and unnecessary biopsies, not calling back too few that you don't find cancers. And so we're all looking for a sweet spot of our callback rate versus our cancer detection rate. What's amazing as a layperson about that is, you know, one in eight women get breast cancer. While the survival rate is high, nobody wants breast cancer. It's, it's horrible. I, I think sometimes folks talk about the survival rate, but it's like, have you ever talked to someone who's been through breast cancer? It's, it's, it's a terrible, terrible thing to have. And when, when you talk about this sweet spot, I think about early detection being 
the magic that saves women. It's fascinating that you have to drive to that sweet spot and early detection is the holy grail. When it comes to the technician doing the mammography, which I, I really don't know how much people appreciate what the whole procedure is like, do you find the technician that it, that it makes a difference? I know that personally I've been to your practice and the technician was not messing around. Like It was like if you can't breathe, it was like a positive sign. Hold your breath. Move your head. Hold your breath. Freeze. Turn your breath this way. All right. Listen, I I wish that we didn't have to do mammography. Wish we had something else. But right now, this is what we have. And yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's it's no fun. The technologists are very well trained, but they're people. They have different personalities. They have different styles. Again, part of our getting accredited is we have to submit images to the ACR to show that our technologists are adequately positioning patients to include as much breast tissue as they possibly can on the exam. And we get scored on that. <laughs> okay. And I tell my technologists, I'm sorry, you didn't get enough muscle back here. You're going to have to bring this person back. I also try to tell them when they do a great job. And I say, hey, this is an ACR worthy case. I could send this off for accreditation. This is a gorgeous, beautiful case, right? You did a tremendous job here. And women come in so many different shapes and sizes and heights. And this is difficult. Okay, this is really, really hard. And of our technologists, I would say these women are really dedicated. Oh, they're heroes. They're heroes. And they really care. And they get a lot of grief from everybody around them all day long. Please be nice to my technologists. They're trying to be nice to you, but still perform at a standard that I expect of them. Because they know if they show me a case and I say, no, you didn't get enough muscle here. Why is there no inframammary fold here? Like, they, they know that I'll tell them. So, again, sweet spot. Yeah. Does, it, does more compression generally equate to better imaging? By and large, yes. There is inadequate compression. And so the tissue all bunches up on top of itself. And it makes it look like there were lumps when there are no lumps. But there's a point where you get adequate compression. And again, there's so many different shapes and sizes of women and texture of tissue. This is an art form as well. And I trust my technologists to know when they're getting adequate compression. We measure it. It's on the image. It says how many pounds or decanewtons of compression there was. And I, I will look at that. And I'll look at a case and think, God, this looks fuzzy. And I'll say, oh, my God, five pounds. Of that, that's not enough compression. <laughs> So there are these many additional technical factors that go into producing a mammographic image and getting a very high quality mammographic image that you probably have no idea about as you're, as you're heading in for it. You're just thinking like, oh my God, they're gonna squash me. Thank you for tuning in. Please connect with me, Sharon Kedar, on LinkedIn for additional innovative content. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate it leave a review and follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The views and opinions of the host and podcast guests are their own professional opinions and may not represent the views of North Pond Ventures.